If you're a parent, teacher, or school leader, and you're sick and tired of the frustration, anger, and unfair treatment of children at high risk in our public schools, then perhaps it's time for all of us to do something about it. In this podcast, Dr. Amitra Berry brings you tips, tools, strategies, and tactics to build successful solutions while touching, moving, and inspiring all of us to transform our schools so that every child thrives. Here's your host, Dr. Berry. Hey there, Equity Warriors. Welcome to our Summer Professional Learning Series, and thanks so much for tuning in. All right, this is the fifth of our 10 special episodes. This is the halfway mark, all designed to support you as a parent, caregiver, educator, leader, or supporter in your local schools. And if you don't see the PowerPoint, if you're on an audio podcast, thank you for listening. You'll want to make sure that you check down in the notes for the link to the YouTube channel where you'll get that PowerPoint presentation as well as any handouts and resources for the special summer series. If you're not a subscriber on YouTube, While you're there, go ahead and hit the subscribe button, like, click for notifications. The YouTube podcasts do air about a week and a half before the audio only does. All right. So today's topic is the first of three episodes that have were developed, especially for school leaders and consultants who provide professional learning services to those leaders. But there are many others in the audience who may learn from what I'll share today. And I can tell you, I've never met a school or district leader in the 800 plus school systems that I've worked in who didn't want to create a culture of equity in their schools, nor have I met one that has not been challenged to create some or all of that vision for equity. Educators, parents, caregivers, and the broader school community often shares that goal, but they may not share in the belief in the plan, the roadmap to create such a culture. So how do you, as a school leader, how do you go about creating equitable schools and addressing the challenges to organizational change? And what does the rest of the community need to know in order to support that vision? Hey, let's dig in. There is a handout for this presentation. If you haven't already downloaded it, again, look down in the notes for the link, press pause, download, print, and then come right on back. All right. In today's workshop, we're going to start with a brief look at the importance of equity and the role of school leaders in driving organizational change. Then we'll move on to the need for equitable schools, strategies for implementing organizational change, a couple of case studies of successful organizational change, and the role of parents and caregivers in supporting that change to transform your schools to equitable organizations. But let's start with why. Why is equity in education so important? Well, we know from research that equitable educational opportunities contribute to the overall well-being and success of our children, all children. And when we create an environment where every single student has access to the resources they need and the supports they need to succeed, we empower those children to reach their full potential. And it doesn't matter what their background is or their circumstances. By fostering equity, we pave the way for a brighter future for every single child. And ultimately, that means a better society. Effective school leaders play a crucial part in creating equitable learning environments by promoting a culture of continuous improvement, identifying and addressing barriers to equity, and making data-driven decisions. School leaders also, you collaborate with teachers, staff, parents, and community members to ensure that everyone is working together towards a shared vision of equity and excellence in education. 
Now let's dive a little bit deeper into the strategies for implementing organizational change and look at case studies of successful schools. And then we'll talk about a little bit about the role of parents and caregivers in supporting those equity initiatives. So if you're a parent or caregiver, stay tuned. I've got you taken care of down at the end. And we want to do all of that to create more just and inclusive educational landscapes for all our children. But I would be remiss if I didn't begin by defining educational equity for those of you who have not been listening or haven't read my book, Affecting Change for Culturally and Linguistically Diverse Learners. You may not know this. Those who have, you should. Equity in K-12 education is a principle that refers to the fair and just distribution of resources and opportunities to all students, regardless of their race, ethnicity, gender, ability, or socioeconomic status. Unlike equality, which simply means treating all students the same. Equity recognizes that different students have different needs and that fairness requires treating them differently to achieve equality of outcomes. Now, why is equity so important in our current or modern school system? Well, it's because throughout history, there are certain groups of students, and I refer to them collectively as marginalized and disenfranchised. These are our students of color, students with disabilities, students from low-income families, historically marginalized groups have faced systemic barriers to accessing resources and opportunities in schools. And this includes disciplinary discrimination, lack of access to quality teachers, and curriculum, as well as other forms of educational inequity. In other words, it's about ensuring that all students have a fair and equal chance to succeed in school and life. It means education without bias against or favoritism for any group of students. Unfortunately, we know that there are significant gaps in education and achievement between different groups of students. The achievement gap refers to the disparities in academic performance between various groups, and this is often based on factors like race, socioeconomic status, and language background. These gaps result in lower graduation rates, reduced college enrollment, reduced college completion, and limited career opportunities for those students who are not given equitable opportunity compared to their peers. This achievement gap has some far-reaching consequences, not only for the students who are affected by the gaps, and you can see on screen those gaps from the 2019 NAEP, and just looking at the gap the white-black gap at the top, the white-Hispanic gap in the middle, and the Asian-white gap, which really doesn't exist, but that black-white gap and white-Hispanic gap, those are significant gaps. When we look at those affected groups, it also affects our society as a whole because these kids don't stay in school forever. And we fail to provide equitable opportunities for all students. We perpetuate the cycles of poverty and inequality, of imprisonment and early death. In addition to all of that, we miss out on the potential contributions of diverse perspectives and talents in our workforce, in our communities, in our schools. So addressing the achievement gap is essential to creating a more just and prosperous society for everyone, as well as just schools. So what are the goals of creating equitable schools? Well, first and foremost, we aim to close the achievement gap by providing every student with the support and resources they need to succeed. That means we eliminate the provision gap. And I've talked about that previously. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. This includes ensuring that all our students have access to high quality curriculum, 
access to effective, culturally competent teachers and a safe and inclusive learning environment. We also want to empower our students, our families, and our communities to actively participate in the educational process. We want to foster a culture of collaboration and shared responsibility. So as we move forward, we're going to talk about some strategies that you as school leaders can use to implement organizational change and lead to more equitable schools. But we're also going to examine case studies of schools that have successfully navigated these challenges and explore how your parents and caregivers can support and contribute to this important work. Dr. Angela Davis said, you have to act as if it were possible to radically transform the world and you have to do it all the time. So let's start to prep for transformation. If you're working with a group doing podcast study, there's some questions for you. Number one, I want you to discuss, how do you see your role in transforming your organization? Two, does the definition of equity given here differ from your own? How so? And do you see any reason to revise your own? And then three, what achievement gaps are most prevalent in your school community and to what do you attribute them? Last, number four, what goals do you have for closing the gap and empowering people? Now, these four questions also appear in the handout. If you were trying to take notes and keep up, just grab the handout. I do recognize that a number of you are probably working solo. So just take a moment to reflect on each of those and journal. So the way this works, you pause the podcast, come back when you're ready. All right, now that we've had a little talk on the importance of equity and the goals of creating equitable schools, let's explore three strategies for implementing organizational change. We've got to have a game plan. The first strategy is to cultivate a culture of continuous improvement. Now, that involves encouraging open dialogue and collaboration. So as school leaders, you need to create a safe space for teachers. That means a psychologically safe space for teachers. That episode is coming. Create a safe space for teachers, staff, parents, and students to openly discuss challenges and share ideas for improvement. When you do that, you foster a sense of ownership and collective responsibility for addressing equity issues. Issues. Two, you want to empower your teachers and staff. You should be providing professional development opportunities and support structures that will enable your teachers and your staff to improve their practice based on the context and the culture of your school. Who are your students, right? So that professional learning has to fit who your kids are, who your teachers are. We want to improve their practice and address equity concerns. And then number three, engage your parents and community members. Actively involving parents and community members, people who are vested in our schools in decision-making processes, this will help to ensure that your efforts, your school's efforts to promote equity are informed by diverse ex perspectives and experiences. And for those of you who maybe are middle school and high school leaders, parent involvement doesn't have to end at elementary school. We're going to come back to that. Our second strategy is to identify and address barriers to equity. So we have some systemic issues. These are things that are baked into the organization through policies and practices. So as school leaders, you want to examine policies, practices, and structures that may perpetuate inequities and work to dismantle those barriers. We have implicit or unconscious bias and stereotypes. I do a two-day workshop just on recognizing and beginning the work of identifying implicit bias and stereotypes and recognizing the harm that is done to learners when educators, even those who don't have any malicious intent, but when educators allow these biases to impact teaching, 
learning, and discipline. By providing that type of training on and promotion of cultural competence, school leaders, you can help your educators recognize and address their own biases and stereotypes that may negatively impact students. And disparities in resources and opportunities. Identify those, address them. We want to work to ensure that all students have equal access to resources and opportunities such as advanced courses, extracurricular activities, and support services. Those disparities are part of the fourth equity indicator, asset allocation. If you haven't listened to episode four on the four equity indicators, I highly recommend doing so. And just sort of a reminder or a caveat here. Saying that we have AP courses open to all learners is not the same as students having equal access to those courses, because if they have not been provided appropriate instruction to prepare them for success when they get there, you have effectively barred them from success in AP. That might be the topic for another episode. All right, our third strategy is data-driven decision-making. On screen, you see my CARDI framework from the book, Affecting Change for Culturally and Linguistically Diverse Learners, available in bookstores everywhere. If you've read that book, you're familiar with this framework. But data-driven decision-making is the fifth step in the CARDI framework, and that involves collecting and analyzing data where you look at student achievement, discipline, attendance, and all other factors to identify patterns and trends that are related to equity. By then looking at that data analysis, you want to use that to inform and improve your practices, right? That's how you make decisions based on your data about which strategies, which interventions will best address the identified equity issues, strategies, interventions, changes in policy, changes in procedures. You get my drift? All right. And then want to monitor and address, monitor progress and adjust your strategies to help determine the effectiveness of your efforts. We want to make adjustments as we need to, to continuously improve outcomes for all students. So again, not a set it and forget it. We need to be constantly looking and monitoring what we do. Look at how this is affecting all of the various subgroups and populations within your schools. All right, take a look at prep for transformation number two in your handout. If you're working with a group doing podcast study, use this opportunity to discuss and plan how you can leverage each component of the strategies I've introduced. If you're flying solo, take a moment to reflect on each and make your note, your notations. Whether you're doing this as a group or on your own, this activity does take some time. So of course, pause the podcast if you wanna make a few annotations, then continue when you're ready. You may decide that you wanna do your deep dive after you've listened to the whole episode. Either way is fine. Pause, press play when you're ready. Okay, let's now take a look at two case studies of schools that have successfully implemented organizational change to create more equitable learning environments. We have school A, which faced significant resistance to change. Sound familiar to some of you? And then we have school B, which focused on addressing disparities in resources. That may sound familiar to others of you, and maybe both cases sound familiar to some of you. For each case, we're going to consider the challenges faced, the strategies employed, and the results achieved. Then you'll prep your case. So first example is school A. Again, they face significant resistance to change. So challenges. School A struggled with a culture of complacency and resistance to new ideas. Teachers, staff, and even some of the parents caregivers were skeptical of a need for change, and they were hesitant to adopt any new strategies for promoting equity. So leadership employed the following strategies. 
They focused on building trust and fostering a sense of shared responsibility, where I talked about that psychological safety piece before. They facilitated open and honest conversations about the achievement gap and provided professional development opportunities to help teachers understand the importance of equity. They also encouraged collaboration among teachers, staff, parents, caregivers, and students to develop and implement new strategies for promoting equity. None of these strategies will work if you don't first build trust. And you cannot build trust unless you have psychological safety. Okay. I want to make sure we understand that. You are not going to get conversations that are open and honest if you are not trusted, if your space is not trustworthy. All right. So what happened? Results over time, School A saw a significant shift in culture. They had increased buy-in from teachers, staff, parents, and caregivers. The school experienced improvements in student achievement and particularly the achievement of historically underserved students, our black and brown learners, and a more inclusive and supportive learning environment for everyone. So there's your School A. Let's take a look at School B. School B focused on addressing just the disparities in resources. So their challenges, they had a diverse student population, significant disparities in access to resources and opportunities between those different student groups. And this led to an achievement gap. Now, you also have heard me talk about a provision gap. In my book, I talk about the provision gap. What we provide in terms of instruction is what fuels the achievement gap. The kids aren't achieving because we are not giving them what they need in order to be successful. So that achievement gap, I always say that's on us. So achievement gap and then uh, growing frustration among students, parents, and caregivers. So what did they do in terms of strategies? First, they started by conducting a thorough review of resource allocation, and then they made targeted investments in areas that would have the greatest impact on equity. They expanded access to advanced courses, provided additional support services for students that needed them, and they formed partnerships with community organizations to offer new enrichment opportunities. So what happened? Of course, they increased their achievement. They saw marked improvement in student outcomes, particularly for historically underserved students. They also experienced increased parent and community engagement as people saw the positive impact of their collaboration and their support. All right, are you ready? We've got two case studies, or I gave you two very skeletal case studies, but they demonstrate that with persistence, collaboration, and targeted strategies, schools can overcome challenges and they can create more equitable learning environments for all students. So now it's time for you to frame your case. Take a look at the prep for transformation number three that's in your handout. If you're working with a group doing podcast study, use this opportunity to discuss what are the challenges you currently face in your context, what strategies for transformation number two will you plan to employ, and most importantly, what results are you looking for? Whether you do this as a group or you do this as you're on your own, if you're on your own, you don't have to talk to anybody, you're just going to take those three questions and work your own plan. This does take some time. So you can pause the podcast if you want to make a few annotations and then continue when you're ready. Or if you're breaking this up and and doing the work live, come back whenever you're finished. All right, let's talk about parents and caregivers now and the vital role that they play in supporting your transformation efforts. You know, parent and caregiver involvement is crucial to the success of anything we do in our schools, especially, especially when it comes to promoting equity. If you doubt that, just watch the evening news for a few days and see the disruption that's caused when parents and caregivers 
are involved and it is not in collaboration with the school system. All right. Research tells us that students that have engaged parents and caregivers are more likely to succeed, more likely to succeed academically, that they have better social skills and exhibit more positive attitudes towards school. Now, that's not to say that our students can't be successful without the support of parents and caregivers. They can but it's a whole lot easier if we have that parent and caregiver support because when they're involved, they they can support the school in working towards creating a more equitable learning environment for all students, even some students that are not their own. But we live in a world where many of our parents and caregivers work. They work days, they work nights, they sometimes work multiple jobs. So we cannot expect the parents to do our job in the school and we should not denigrate the parents and caregivers who cannot come and support the school. I always say they're sending us the best kids they have. And sometimes that's the only support that they're able to lend. But your role is to leave, create an environment where they feel welcomed and where they feel they have voice. How do you leverage those parents and caregivers to support your transformation? Start by creating partnership, open up some lines of communication with parents and caregivers and collaborate with them to identify and address their equity concerns. Share your ideas, conduct listening sessions, ask and answer questions, create a space where you can work together to develop some strategies for promoting equity in your school. You want to keep your parents and caregivers informed about the issues affecting your school and encourage them to advocate within their community for others to support the goals of equity. Speak to your parent-teacher organizations and leverage social media and other community forums. You know, I keep hearing, and I'm sure we all are, we hear a lot in the news about parental choice, parents requesting for books to be removed from schools. You know, I have a thing about this, these book bans, but parents and parental choice are what's leading to books being removed. But you know what? We have a lot of parents on the other side. Let's respect their parental choice and keep those books in the schools. But that means that the parents who've been historically marginalized, the parents who've been disenfranchised, that that community needs to understand that they have voice, that they have agency, that they have power. And so it's up to you as school leaders to develop those, to create those advocates for support of your initiative. All right, where am I? Volunteering. You want to encourage volunteering. Again, like I said, parent volunteers, parent caregiver volunteering does not have to end at elementary school. A lot of our parents and caregivers have time and talents to support your equity initiative. They could be tutors. They can help with mentoring programs, fundraising events. You even have some talented parents who can conduct parent workshops. Imagine if I was one of your parents. There are plenty of me's out there. So find out who those people are and leverage their support. Volunteering is a great way for your caregiver community to make a, a positive impact on their child, their own child's school, and to demonstrate their commitment to equity. When parents and caregivers are actively engaged in supporting your equity initiative, everyone benefits. That engagement can lead to improving your student achievement, overall school performance, stronger relationships between parents, caregivers, teachers, and school leaders. You create this supportive and inclusive school community. You empower parents and caregivers um, and equip them with the knowledge and resources to advocate for their children and to support their educational journey. By getting your parents and caregivers involved in supporting equity initiatives, 
you can create new pathways for even those who've never engaged to make meaningful difference in the lives of not just their child, but all children in your school community and help create a more just and inclusive landscape for all students. So here's the last add on to your homework as you now have the content. Take a look at prep for transformation in your handout, the last one, and consider how you can leverage your parent and caregiver community to work towards transforming your school community. And again, middle and high schools, this one is for you too. I know our parents and caregivers tend to disengage as their children get older, but that doesn't have to be the case. So once you pause, you're going to continue to work on your plan, whether as a group or on your own. This activity, in fact, don't pause. This activity takes some time. When I conduct this workshop with leadership teams, we spend hours, hours just getting the framework together. And there's much more work that's still to be done. Now, if you're interested in that type of workshop for your own team, you know, just email info at alberryinc.com for more information. Now, don't pause. Don't pause, stay with me before we go. Let's do a quick recap, right? So in this workshop, we've looked at the need for equitable schools. We've considered strategies for implementing organizational change. We've looked at the role of parents and caregivers in supporting that organizational change. And again, if you'd like to go deeper into this type of work for your organization, shoot us an email. Remember, you've got some homework to do. But I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you've got some new tools and strategies for creating equitable schools and addressing the challenges to transformative change. Continue to join me every week. Send me your questions, topics, and requests to askdrberry.com, and I will answer those questions, and I will bring you experts to help address those topics. Now, like, share, subscribe, turn on notifications, do your homework, and as always, don't worry about the things you cannot change. Change the things you can no longer accept. And I'll see you next time. That's it for today's episode of the 3E Podcast. Head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in a grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Dr. Barry herself. Be sure to head over to 3epodcast.com and pick up a free copy of Dr. Barry's gift. Then join us on the next episode.